We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. To 2 Samuel chapter 19. And if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring one to you. It's always good to follow along. But tonight we pick it up in the story when David has just defeated Absalom, the, the rebellion, the mutiny of his son. And it was a heartbreaking story to see the way it ended, how his son died. But God gave David the victory. So now Israel is kind of in this limbo. They, they don't have a leader. They don't have a king. And so we're going to see tonight really the return of the king. You know, when you look at this, we're going to see some interesting things. David could have done this forcibly, you know. I mean, after all, in all, in all reality, he had the muscle. You know, he could easily, easily force himself back into the kingdom, back into the palace. You know, some guys are like that. If they, if they want to, you know, they're just good fighters or whatever, they're buff, and they wanted to be the big bully on the playground, right? They could do that, right? But, but David said, no, I'm not going to force my way back. One of the things we always see in his heart is he wanted the Lord to do it, right? And he'd rather rule and reign if the people allowed him to, if they chose him willingly. And it's kind of like the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You know, I mean, when you became a Christian, I don't know if you guys realize this, but when you gave your life to Christ, you signed up to make him the Lord of your life. You know, and that means that he calls the shots. That means that he dictates what you think and how you speak and how your heart beats and what you do, you know, all day long. And a lot of times I think we forget that. But the thing is, is before you became a Christian, if you remember, it was a choice that you made, right? I mean, the, the Lord is a perfect gentleman. He will never force himself on anyone. He leaves that decision to you. And praise God, a lot of you here have made that decision to turn from your sins and to trust in Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. But I want to encourage you to know that that's something that it continues on even as you, you know, journey through your life as a Christian, that you still have to let the Lord rule. It's almost like a daily choice. And so, man, I really encourage you to know, I mean, some of you here are married and you're going through marital problems. Some of you here as parents, you're, you know, you're pulling your hair out. You're asking God, you know, for wisdom. Maybe you felt like you failed the Lord or, you know, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe you're struggling with drugs or alcohol or sexual addiction or depression or, you know, you feel like, you know, mentally you're not right or physically things are failing or financially or you need a job. I mean, there's just so many different settings here and, and, and I just want to encourage you to know that even in all those things that Christ has a plan, but, but remember that Christ has a plan. And the only way that your life is going to come back together is if you just choose to live that life of obedience, that life of love towards Him. Otherwise, man, it's going to be crazy. You know, I mean, so I pray that as we go through our study today that we would learn that and kind of take that away from our study. As David, in one sense, he's symbolic of Jesus. Now, Jesus is returning. Jesus wants to reign on your life. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. But in one sense, you know, you've got to let him do that. 
And so we're going to see glimpses of that in our study today. But look what it says here in verse 9. It says in 2 Samuel 19, verse 9, Now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? If you remember, Absalom mustered up the rebellion, the mutiny. David didn't really want to kill his son, so he split. He went on the other side of the Jordan, and now David's coming back. And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but you know, one thing that kind of came to my mind is how a lot of times people backslide. You know, people, they have a relationship with the Lord, but then it's almost like there's a mutiny. And it's almost like they kick the king kind of out of their life, you know? I, I see that a lot, I, and I don't understand it, but I, I know it happens a lot. And what I'm praying, if there's anybody here today who is backslidden in their relationship with God, that you drifted away, or, or maybe just even in your heart, you've kind of been going through the motions, but there's not really a fire there's not really a passion i pray that you would kind of see this story that you know the lord is willing to come back you know you don't want to be a person without the king of kings ruling over your life and so here is kind of that picture david's been kicked out but now he wants to come back and jesus christ wants to come back and to rule over your life and to bless your life you know, the Lord had spoken to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation. And he told them, he said, I know your works and your labor of love and the way that you're an Orthodox church and you can tell what's heretical and what's not. He said, but here's a problem that I have with you, that you have left your first love. You didn't lose it. You left it. And the Lord is just saying, you know, repent, come back to that first love. You know, how many of you here, man, if you, you know, remember back when you first got saved, I remember back in 1989 when I got saved and just the, the beautiful, amazing love relationship that I had with Jesus Christ, man. And I just remember, I mean, there's a lot of different things and I don't, I know we're all different. How many of you here when you got saved, just, you just, you would just wouldn't shut up? I, I, you know, it's like, you know, you're just telling everybody and it wasn't that you were being obnoxious, man. It's just that, you know, it's just this new work that God had done in your life, that the scales fell, the, you know, your eyes were opened, and it's just something so fresh and invigorating. But, you know, a lot of times what happens is that when you're a Christian for a while, people tell you, well, that's just something that happens in the, in the beginning. They'll even call it the honeymoon period. Have you guys heard that? Oh, that's just your honeymoon period, right? Um, but, you know, I want to tell you jesus said you can come back to that first love and this is what i believe i really believe that as a christian you can fall more deeply in love with christ as you continue on in your journey with the lord that that love can actually grow you know kind of like a married couple you know sometimes married couples when they get married it's really exciting in the beginning and even when you first met each other right when you first met, you're like, you know, on the phone for like, you know, 17 hours, man, and you're just talking. And I just don't, you know, you guys remember those days. And, you know, I remember 
when I first met my, my wife, Shelly, remember the expensive gifts we used to buy each other, man? It doesn't happen anymore. We're like, okay, you know, a date night, you know, j- what's it called, Jack in the Box? I mean, we'll go there, you know. <laughs> you know, but, but I don't know. Sometimes we accept it like that. We're like, well, that's what happens over the years, right? But I want to encourage you, you know, to know that as a married couple, that really your love should grow deeper with each other as you continue on in your journey, what you got to do is you got to just enter into the trials together. You got to look into their eyes. You got to find out what their needs are, what their hurts are, what their life is like now. And you as a husband or you as a wife, in that love, you begin to meet them there in a deeper way. And that's kind of how it is with the Lord. Like right now, if you were to look into the eyes of Jesus Christ, what do you think that you would see? I want to know what I think you would see if you were to look into the heart of the Lord. You would see a Lord who is longing for the world to be saved. You would see a Lord whose heart and whose passion is for an awakening in the church. Not a legal relationship, but a love relationship. And then you as a spouse would go and just enter into that. And so... Man, I think for all of us here, I know even for myself as a pastor, I've been walking with the Lord. I'm so blessed, you know, to serve the Lord. I always have to guard myself and I always have to come back to the simplicity of this beautiful relationship that I have with him. You know, and my king gets kicked out, so to speak. But no, Jesus, you know, we want you back. And so that's kind of what, you know, I, I see here with David leaving and now You know, David wanting to come back. I mean, that's kind of spiritualizing a little bit. But, of course, we know when we look at it literally, they were once again a country without a king, a land without a leader, and they weren't too sure what to do. We read that in verse 9 and 10. And so the dialogue begins, you know. It's interesting how we read in verse 9 that this is a discussion, it's a dispute that takes place. Notice again there in verse 9, it says, throughout all the tribes of Israel. And then, you know, they're just talking. And it it makes perfect sense. You know, David's the one who saved us from our enemies, the Philistines. But he fled from the land because of Absalom. Now Absalom's dead. And so their, you know, discussion is why isn't there that consideration to restore David as the leader of our nation? And, you know, if you ever have a problem, you know, crowning Christ as a king of your life, remember, man, he made you. He made you. He saved you from your enemies. He's your savior. He died for you on the cross. It's like, why wouldn't you crown him as king? Now, anyways, that's their reasoning. And so we read in verse 11, so King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar the priest saying, speak to the elders of Judah saying, why are you the last to bring the king back to his house, since the words of all Israel have come to the king to his very house? You are my brethren, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. And so he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word to the king, Return, you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. 
Now, of course, you know, for the Lord, you know, wanting to come back into your life, he's not going to be silent. He's going to speak to you, right? And so right here, David is kind of speaking and he's just saying, hey, you know, now he sends to the elders of Judah. Everybody's talking about, you know, me coming back as king. Why haven't you guys had this, you know, conversation? And what we see right here is the, is the wisdom of David. He sends word to the elders of Judah and he tells them, aren't I your family? You know, I'm from the tribe of Judah. And yet, you, know, you guys are the only ones not on board to bring me back. He says, all Israel is considering my restoration to the nation. And then he says this, by the way, tell this to Amasa. Now, Amasa was the general of uh, the rebellious army of Absalom. He says, tell this to Amasa, like, I swear, as the Lord lives, I mean, this is, you know, this is really going to happen. Amasa, I'll make you the general of, of my army. And so what he says right here is a real wise thing. You know, and, and, and it makes you wonder, why, why wasn't Judah, like, the first ones to talk about this? You know, to bring David back. And you want to know why? What I, what I think is why? Is because they were the ones most guilty of rebellion. They were the ones that worked hand in hand with Absalom. Amasa was the leader of this rebellious army. And so more than likely, the reason that they weren't the first ones to call David back is because they were thinking David's not going to be friendly to us. We were the ones that blew it. But what does David communicate to them? He communicates to them that I will forgive you. I will restore you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. There should be no reason for reservation or hesitation. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. And to prove that, he says, I'll take you, Amasa. And you're probably the most guilty because, man, you were the general. You were trying to kill me. And I'll make you the leader of my army. And I tell you what, you guys. You know what? Sometimes what gets in the way is the enemy tries to beat us down with the fact that we've blown it. He tries to beat us down with condemnation. It says in the book of Romans, chapter 8, Therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what? Coming back to the Lord or setting yourself free from addiction, it's not a 12-step thing. It's a one-step thing. Examine your life. Where are you with the Lord right now? Is there a fire? Is there a passion? If not, it's just one step back. You just come back to the Lord and he will forgive you. His blood is strong. There is no sin that he can't forgive. And that's an awesome thing when you think about it. And not only that, you know, I think it's cool, you know, in one sense that, that the Lord will take guys that have blown it, he'll take girls that have blown it, and make them his leaders. I mean, talk about grace. The Lord will do that. No, I'm not. We're going to go through our study tonight. And again, we're not going to take sin lightly or anything like that. But, but I'm telling you, man, the, the Lord is so amazing. David says, uh, Amasa, I'll let you be the, the general. Now, of course, there's a lot of wisdom in this. Uh, part of the reason that David uh, wants to replace Joab is because Joab is, uh, 
That guy's a knucklehead, man. Oh, my kids told me not to say that word. I forgot. Okay, knucklehead. <laughs> Joab, uh, you know, David told Joab, don't kill my son. What does Joab do? Kills his son. Boom, four times. Boom, in the heart. So David's thinking, you know what? This guy needs to be replaced. I'll use wisdom and I'll reach out to Amasa. That'll show them that I'm willing to forgive. And so, you know, all these things are, are going on, right? And David essentially says two things. Number one, we're family. I'm from Judah. And number two, you're forgiven. And in one sense, that's what Christ says. He says, I'm family. Did you guys know that Jesus Christ took on human flesh? That he walked in your moccasins? That he can relate to you? That he's family? And it's so cool that in him, it's so amazing to me that we are forgiven. And so David sends a message to Judah, and in the end, these moves win the hearts of all the men of Judah to David's side, and they send a unanimous welcome home message to him. Uh, it's really interesting. Judah even came to Gilgal, which was around 20 miles away, and they did that to escort the king back to the palace. Have you guys ever gone on like a long vacation or something and... Uh, Maybe a missions trip, and when you come back, there's like a welcoming group. Have you guys ever done that? Like, no, I never have. <laughs> some of you guys, some of you dads, man, when you go to work, isn't it cool when your kids are there to meet you at the door and to welcome you home, and they put the slippers on and they start, you know, massaging your feet and all that kind of stuff? Don't you guys ever experience that? <laughs> Here's David, and it's this beautiful welcoming committee. And I know that when I've come back from missions trips, it's been a blessing to see my loved ones there to welcome me back. It's, it's a really special feeling. And so that's what we see here in verse 16. It says, And Shimei, the son of Gira, a Benjamite who was from Bahurim, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons, and 20 servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. And then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And so there's a lot of friendly people. It's kind of cool to see the way that this all works out. And we're going to see, however, that they're, I don't know, they're kind of fickle at the same time. You know, here we're going to see the tribe of Judah. Think about that. Shimei, a thousand men from the tribe of Benjamin. Ziba, his 15 sons, 20 servants, basically thousands of people there, and some even crossing over the Jordan. Uh, they brought David a ferry boat. Have you guys ever been on a ferry boat over there at Balboa Island? They did one in Cambodia. It's kind of cool. I remember I got scared the first time I went on one of those, but it takes you across the river, right? And so they're going to bring back the king and help him in any way they could. And so it's a general picture, but then... It gets personal. And so we read in 18, look at the second half. It says, Now Shimei, the son of Gira, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. And then he said to the king, Do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. 
Therefore, here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord's anointed. And David said, What have I to do with you, sons of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over all Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. Now, if you remember, we met Shimei earlier in chapter 16, verses 5 through 13. We have his story in which he basically, he cussed out the king. He cursed the king when David was fleeing from Jerusalem. Have you ever been cussed out? Is that a curiosity? Seriously. No, you don't have to raise hands or anything, you know. But I tell you what, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a good feeling. It's not. And here you have Shimei. I mean, who is this guy? He's a flea. I mean, David is the king, and he and he cusses him out. Remember, he kicks dirt on him, and what that is in that culture was saying basically, "I would like you to be dead and buried." And so at that time, Abishai says, "Let's kill him. What's this guy doing?" Right. And David says, no, maybe it's the Lord. But it wasn't the Lord. David comes back, and here's this guy Shimei, and, and, and you know, David's back to you know, be king. Abishai says, well, let's kill him now. Let's kill him now. How many of you would have killed him then, right? You know, that's justice. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament said that you shouldn't curse a ruler of the people. It was against the law to do that. But David here, what does he do, man? He extends grace to him. Wiersbe said this, His reason for sparing Shimei was because it was a day of rejoicing, not a day of revenge. But even more, here it is, By pardoning Shimei, King David was offering a general amnesty to all who supported Absalom during the rebellion. See, there's that message, you guys, that I pray that we would never forget that message of grace, that message of forgiveness. And so we see it in a Raul Reese, or we see it in, you know, a Nicky Cruz. And we see how amazing his grace is. And then what happens? Then we, we, then we could take it to ourselves. That's the type of leader our Lord is, right? Now, there might be some who would say, well, wait a minute, this is too much grace. Shimei humiliated the king, accused him, lied about him publicly, and passionately expressed his heart in wanting the king to be dead. It's okay to offer amnesty to others, but not to this guy, right? But David, like our Lord, extended an undeserved grace to Shimei, just as our Lord does for us. Psalm 103, let me read to you verses 10 through 14. It's talking about God, and it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, think about that, the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, think about that, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, 
so the lord pities those who fear him for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust let me ask you fathers here today do you ever pity your children do you ever pity them you know i mean i guess what i want to say is as i i i'll share with you some of my my story you know i can be really hard on my kids I, I can just be boom, you know, you know, and you know, you're, you're a pastor's son or a pastor's daughter and you know the word and, and you know, and you know, have all these, you know, whatever expectations. But, but, you know, when you sit down with them and you begin to talk to them and you begin to realize, you know, whatever, you know, the things that they're going through in life, I, it should. I know with me, there's those times where it just moves me to compassion. You know, because our our children, you know, and and people in general, it says right here, Psalm 103, the Lord, the Lord knows our frame. He remembers that we're we're but dust. And every once in a while, I think you got to enter into the the struggles that your child might be having. And, and what it does, not that you excuse the sin, but what ends up happening is you do show them grace. And what ends up happening for me as a father is I, get, I, I try to get more deeply involved in their life. I, I realize then that I got to help them. I got to help them even more. They need, they need our help as parents. And that's how the Lord is with us. You know, he knows that we're dust. He's so compassionate with us. And when we allow him, he just wants to come in even closer and just and, and, and give us this grace, you guys, that's so amazing. And that I know one day, you know, and I know sometimes parents, they might look at their kids and they're like, man, you know, you don't got it all together yet. But who knows? Maybe if you love them, until you die, you just never know what the Lord might do with their life. But all I'm saying is that that's how the Lord is with us, you guys. He knows how we are as human beings. And so here, Shimei, I tell you what, man, oh, for just a number of reasons, David, you know, the justice should have just been, man, kill this guy. But, you know, Abishai said, let me do it. And David said, no, no, not, not, that's not what I want to do. I want to show this guy grace. You know, Abishai reminds me of James and John. And David here reminds me of Jesus. You remember James and John in Luke chapter 9, 51 through 56, when uh, the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus and they didn't allow him to go through their land. And so James and John said, hey, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven? Let's toast them, man. Shish kebabs right here, right now, right? And the Lord said, what are you talking about? That's not the way my heart is. The Lord says in Luke chapter 9, he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. He's saying if you have a heart that only wants to see nothing but, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, he says this, then you're of a different spirit than me. Interesting. 
he says for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and they went to another village you know it's interesting later on when you study the gospel of john chapter 4 that village got saved see so you know i just thank god for his grace Shimei here is an illustration of the grace that comes from our king, but, and it's so cool the way the, the Bible is so balanced, Shimei is also a lesson in the fact that grace that God gives to us is not for us to abuse, but it's for us to use and to choose to be different and obedient people. Okay, because what ends up happening? Some of you know the story, huh? What eventually happens to Shimei? Eventually, homeboy dies. He gets killed, right? Solomon kills him. And you see, what happens is as David is on his deathbed, he says, watch this guy, Shimei. David is about to die, and he says, you know what? I think this guy right here might be someone that you, you know, you might be threatened by. He tries to establish Solomon's throne and make it safe. And so what ends up happening is Solomon just gives him some guidelines. He says, hey, I don't want you outside of this circle. You know, you'll be safe. Just kind of stay within the parameters of the king. But what happens? Shimei goes out of the parameters of the king. What does that tell you? It tells you that even though the Lord showed him so much grace, he never grew. He never grew out of his rebellion. And so what ends up happening? Not learning the mission of submission. We see over in 1 Kings chapter 2 that Solomon had him put to death. And so thank God for his grace, you guys. It's an amazing uh, God that we have, but I pray at the same time that we would grow in that grace and that we would go forward and be different. You know, your wife should see a different you eventually you know what would happen just out of curiosity if your child was you know just born and they and they stayed the same size right you probably know something's wrong right well the same is true for us as christians but the difference is that we never stop growing never stop growing i pray that our spouse and our kids and our friends and our brothers and our sisters would see a growth in our life because of the grace that we've been given. You see, God gives us grace, but not that we might continue in sin, but that we might overcome it. And here, David is a picture of Jesus. He gives grace to Shimei for the benefit of the man and for the benefit of the nation. And so we read about Shimei. Next, we read about Mephibosheth. Look at verse 24. It says, Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes. From the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house were dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those 
who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I to still cry out any more to the king? And so the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, You and Ziba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, Rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. What had happened, and I know uh, some of you here, maybe you weren't uh, with us when we studied this, um, but what had happened in Second Samuel chapter 16, when David was leaving, is this guy Ziba, who is Mephibosheth's servant, slandered Mephibosheth to David. You know, he told David, hey, Mephibosheth is kicking it there in Jerusalem because he wants to be king. But that wasn't true. And so when David heard that, we went over the fact that David made a hasty conclusion because David gave all the land to Ziba, right? But now as David is coming back, he realizes that, I don't know if Ziba was telling the truth. Here's Mephibosheth. He hasn't cared for his feet, and his feet were all messed up. So there's something about that. He hadn't shaved, you know. He looked all, he was pretty much in mourning the whole time David was gone. And so now David comes back and he says, Hey, Mephibosheth, why didn't you go with me? And he says, You know what, king? My heart did. But I wasn't able to because of the fact that I'm lame. And Ziba came and he deceived you about me, right? And so David here, I don't know, he's not 100% sure who's telling the truth because really this guy Ziba, he was a, he was a, a rascal. What's that, a rascal? He was a scoundrel. You know how some people are really good at backbiting, at, at somehow manipulating you to see things their way? I mean, some people are really good at that. And, and they're, they're, they're just, man, they're really cunning. They're really sly. Ziba was like that. As a matter of fact, if you remember back um, here, we see that Ziba was one of the first guys in verse 17 to meet David coming out. The first time David went and fled, Ziba brought camels loaded with food and drink. And, and so, you know, he really did his best to try to trick David. And so David's not 100% sure. But, you know, we see here that what ends up happening is David says, okay, well, you know what? You guys just divide the land between you and Ziba. You guys just divide it in half. But you might... You might, you, might, you might say, well, David, wait a minute. Mephibosheth was a son of Jonathan. He ate at your table. Wasn't he dear to you? He was. But this is what happened. What happened was a man came in and separated the best of friends. And that happens, huh? That happens, you guys. That's why we have to be so careful. You know, and I, and I don't think you guys are gullible people. Are you guys gullible? You guys know that there's always two sides to a story? Do you guys know that? You know, and you can judge someone and you can think of this about them and, and you don't know what they've gone through. But a lot of times we make conclusions about people. We might even look down on somebody. We've got to be so careful. And we've got to be careful when people kind of come in and they start to paint that person in a, in a bad picture. Be really careful with things like that. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best 
of friends. You know what? The devil would love to separate us as a church, as friends. And we're going to see that in our study today. He even tries to separate the whole country, and he does it eventually. And we have to be so careful. You guys remember when Solomon was reigning? Some of you guys have, have read your, your Bible, right? How many of you guys here have not read your Bible? Yeah, I know you have. You remember when Solomon was reigning and they were kind of like saying uh, that God had given him wisdom. And so one day, a couple of ladies came in with a baby and they both said it was their baby. Do you guys remember that? Okay, and what did Solomon say? He said, cut it in half and give one part to you, one part to you, right? And so immediately what happened is the real mom said, oh, no. <laughs> No, don't, no, no, give it to her, right? Because that's the immediate reaction of a real mom. There's a lot of people that think that that's what David was doing here. When he said, divide the land, Mephibosheth, what's Mephibosheth's reaction going to be? Oh, hey, that's my land. You know, I'm right. You know, what ends up happening is Mephibosheth says, you know what, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I'm just so glad that my king is on the throne again. See? And that's cool. You know, I think the, the Lord was testing Mephibosheth. And what ends up happening is he passed with flying colors. And so someone might say, well, wait a minute, time out. You know, what about Ziba? You mean to tell me that he got away with this? He got away with this? Well, remember this, okay? It looks like he did, okay? But remember this, no one gets away with it. No one gets away with it forever, as a matter of fact, it's probably better if you get, you know, get over it or you stand before the judge on this side of time than stand before the judge on that side of time, huh? You guys remember this, because I know a lot of you have been wronged and, and things go on and you're like, ah, it's not fair, right? But remember this, justice may not come in the here and now, but it will come there and then. Justice might not come immediately, but it will come eventually. And one day, Ziba would stand before God. And so what ends up happening next? There's this, this guy, Barzillai, in verse 31, the uh, Gileadite. He came down from Rogelam and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come across with me, and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How long have I to live, that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today eighty years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king. And why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city, near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Kimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. And then all the people were, went over the Jordan, 
and when the king had crossed over the king kissed barzillai that's that's cool huh and blessed him and he returned to his own place remember i was telling you guys that a friend is somebody that walks into your life when the rest of the world walks out that's who barzillai was for david I don't know what kind of business he was in. I guess the stock market really did well for him, and uh, he had a lot of money. And what did he do with that money? Is he, he, he helped provide for David when he was in Manaheim. And now, here's a guy, 80 years old. Think about it. He was kind of like that guy, Ray, that used to come here. Man, this guy was just, you know, buff at 80 years old, man. And he travels 25 miles just to see the king off, Right? And so David wants to repay him. He says, come, live with me. You know, and as far as I know, when you turn 80 years old, you can still taste food, right? I mean, I looked it up online. I'm all, can you still taste food at 80 years old? You want to know why? Because I'm worried. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, let not the day come when I can't taste food, you know? But anyways, you can. And, uh, and apparently this guy was still in some physical health that here he was able to travel all this way. But what was he really saying? I think what was he what was really going on in his heart? His heart was for the next generation. His heart was for the next generation. Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, man. Some guys or some people, they never grow out of their selfishness. They never grow out of their selfishness. You know, I have learned that love is the antithesis to selfishness. And I have learned, even as a parent or as a friend or whatever, that you can even be selfish in those areas where God says, no, your family first, your wife first, your kids first, not you first. And we take care of ourselves. A lot of times we don't take care of of our kids, or whatever the case may be. And here's Barzillia, and it's just, to me, it's so cool. A lot of people believe it was his son. He's just thinking of what? The next generation. David, can you take him? David, can you take care of him? Can you pour into him? Can you bless him? And David says, you know what? I'll, I'll do that. I encourage you guys, you know, a couple of things. Um, number one, have a Barnabas in your life. Somebody maybe a little bit older who can encourage you or just somebody who can encourage you. Not control your life, but encourage you in your relationship with the Lord. You know, I had a guy in my life and all he would do, he would just point me to Jesus. He never gave to me all of his personal convictions. He just pointed me to Jesus. And it was so cool. We need Barnabas in our life, but we also need a Timothy in our life. Somebody who's the next generation that you pour into. I mean, here at Barzillia, he just says, you know what, I'm, I'm more concerned about the young people. And some of you here, you know, it's so cool to see you here, you younger people, you younger people. For all of you that are here today who think I'm old, okay? I'm talking to you now, okay? <laughs> and you're young, and our hearts are for you. We know how tough it is. We know how crazy life is. We know all the temptations that are out there, all the drugs, all the sex, all the crazy things that are out there. And we want so desperately for you to fall in love with Jesus Christ, 
for you to go and to live with David, to live your life with Jesus Christ. I know there's a lot of things that are pulling at you and they want to take you away from the Lord. But I'm telling you this, man, when you give your heart to Christ, not just your brain, not just, okay, I'll show up at church, but you give your heart to God and you say, Lord, I got my whole life ahead of me. And the world will tell you, well, since you're young, go out and do, you know, all that stuff. Go out and party, sex, drugs, rock and roll, sow your wild oats. They'll tell you that because you're young. And then they'll tell you, then when you get old, like Manny, then you could start serving the Lord, right? But, you know, I started serving the Lord when I was 22, when I was 22 years old, when I was younger. And you can talk to a lot of people here that serve the Lord later. They would much rather have started earlier in life. Because then you can build on it. And yet, you know, I think that was Barzillai's heart. You know, the next generation, Lord. And that was something that my pastor always instilled within me. Pour into the next generation. The youth, don't forget them. The young adults, don't forget them. Because they're the future of the church. What's going to happen? You know, will the church continue? You know, we're going to die, right? We're going to get older, I might not be 80, man, but, you know, we're getting up there. You're the next generation. And unless you serve the Lord with passion and with fire, what's going to happen to the church? See, so now's your time. That's what Barzillia was saying. And there's that balance there, right? And so, you know, we're supposed to do two chapters. We're definitely not going to do two chapters. We're going to finish up here in verse 40. It says, and now the king went on to Gilgal, and Kimam went on with him. And all the people of Judah escorted the king, and also half the people of Israel. And just then all the men of Israel, they came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away, and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative of ours, why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense, or has he given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king. Therefore we also have more right to David than you. Why then do you despise us? Were we not the first to advise bringing back our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel." And in closing, we see here that, you know, as David's coming back, and you guys got to kind of see this, the nation of Israel, unfortunately, had already experienced a division. And uh, when David first became king, he was only king over Judah. And Israel had Ishbosheth. Eventually, David became king over all Israel. But, you know, there was, this, there was already like these rifts. Kind of like your hair, if I could just say this. Okay, when you, part, when you comb your hair, isn't there usually a natural part? There's usually a natural part, right? I remember when I was, I think I was in the fourth grade, my aunt used to always part my hair on the side. I remember. And, you know, it was like a respectable boy. But you know what I used to do? Before I used to go into my Catholic school, I would go to the side. Don't tell my kids I told you this. And I would part it in the middle. Uh, <laughs> But it always kind of lifted up right there because <laughs> the natural part was right there. Okay. And, and all I'm saying is that, you know, let's just put it this way. 
the nation of Israel. Let's think about the nation of Israel now. God's people. God's people. Okay? When it's just natural, there's going to be divisions. And, 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 and the enemy knows that. He will weaken the nation. He will defeat the nation by dividing the nation. And that's what happens here. You know, Israel, the ten tribes are like, hey, what are you guys, you know, escorting them back? You know, we're the ones, it was our idea. We were the ones that talked about it first. And Judah's all, yeah, but we're family, you know. We got the blood thing going on. And, you know, they're kind of going back and forth. And we're going to see eventually, after Solomon's reign, that they actually do divide. And Satan has a field day. So what I want to say in closing tonight is I know the enemy would love to divide us. I know he would. He would love to divide us as a church, as a whole. And he would love to divide us as a congregation. And he would love to divide us at, in our, even in our homes, even in our families. I pray that today we would know that, you know what, we're not ignorant of his devices. And, and each one of us has to resolve in our hearts yeah, we might be different, and we're different people. That's cool. That's, that's fine. But we're one. We're one. And we have to stay together as one. We have to stay united as one. Don't let the enemy tell you, well, you don't belong here. You know, sometimes people tell me that. They just feel like, I don't belong there. I just feel out of place. That's the enemy. That's the enemy, man. You're welcome here. And we're going to do our best to love you here and we got to stay together right we got to stay together and so i pray that we would learn a lot of, a lot of crazy things here but let's pray father i thank you for your word lord i just thank you for these beautiful people lord i'm so blessed lord that they love you that you love them there might be some who are really struggling tonight. I pray for them especially, Lord. God, I pray that the, the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the things that only you can do, Lord, would just come in to their hearts and transform their lives. Lord, and that you would give us power for our walk, that we would have a hunger for your word, a hunger to pray hunger to obey and to rise up and to be the men of God that you've called us to be, to be godly women as a congregation, Lord, to really, I, and I see things happening and the walls are coming down and just different things are going on. And I know it's more than just a physical thing, Lord. I'm really believing and I'm just convinced that it's a spiritual thing, Lord, that you're doing a new work in this church. We thank you for that. Because I even know, Lord, you're doing a new work in me. And how I need that new work in me. And so, Lord, be with us. Be with your single people here today. Strengthen them. And bless every family here in a mighty way. Help single people to find friends they can pray with. And, Lord, I pray for families that they would pray together and that you do a great work. And we just love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. And we pray you bless your people. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. 
If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.